we did that documentary and literally the the kid in the documentary while we were shooting is they wanted to climb the biosphere, which is this like thing in Montreal. Yes. And he f- literally fell while doing it and broke his ribs. He swung into the side of the biosphere and he <laughs> broke his ribs. And all of a sudden our documentary got really intense. And we were like, oh my God, I think we are going to win awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry. And in this 36th episode, I'm here with Maya Malkin. Throughout the episode, we uh, we discuss becoming an artist from a, coming from a band background, her origin story, working on set, and becoming the voice for some of your favorite products. We also play the Dream Fest game. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. For those who are new to the podcast, Cloud Machine is about the music industry and its stakeholders, meaning everybody that works in it, lives it, loves it, and surrounds it. Our goal is to shine a light on people, roles, and realities of the music industry that are often forgotten or taken for granted. Whether you're someone that has, that's dreaming about making a move in the industry, have some songs recorded and don't know what to do with them, or just a listener that wants to learn more, you're at the right place. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming a friend, colleague, and... Um, artist to the podcast, Maya Malkin. How are you? Hello, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. We were saying before we started recording that we're tired. We're so tired. I'm (laughs) I'm exhausted. I drove all night last night from Montreal to Toronto. Yes. Um, Thank you for, I I mean, it's not, (laughs) sorry. It's not, you didn't drive all night to get to this podcast. Just for you, Matt. (laughs) Just for you. I have nothing else to do today. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for being here. You're welcome. Um, Let's start the show, the pod, like we start every other episode. Um, your favorite live show experience as a fan ever? There's like so many. It's a difficult one. But yeah. I have the luxury of having a friend whose partner's dad gets free tickets to the Scotiabank Arena shows. So I've seen some oh really goodness. great shows real close up. I think one of my like standouts maybe from like last year was there was um, a lineup of Lolo Zuai, um, Caroline Polachek and Dua Lipa. And that was just a crazy show. I didn't even realize, I guess, how much I loved Dua Lipa until I saw the, the like I knew every single lyric, even though I like didn't really listen to her music. So right. I was like, okay, I guess I love Dua Lipa. Yeah. I didn't even realize. And she it was just such an amazing show. I mean, Caroline Polachek is like an icon too. Yeah. And uh, Lolo Zuai is like a smaller artist, but I, I, like really loved one of her songs called Caffeine that um, it was like in rotation for me for I think it was like 2020 or something that it came yeah. out. And um, so that was a really, really cool one. And I mean, I know she has some controversy right now, but Lizzo was also the, one of the craziest shows I've ever seen just because it was so silly. Like I love okay, like yeah. when artists can incorporate like just not taking themselves seriously and like she's just shaking her ass the whole time and playing the flute and like everyone is just like like twerking. Yeah. And um, it was like the loudest cheer I've ever heard in in an arena ever and she even like shed a tear because she was like, oh my God. Wow. So it was a touching Amazing. And that was also at Scotiabank, of course. Yeah, yeah. Great. What about as an artist? Your favorite experience like live on stage or a project? What 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 do you think? What comes to mind? There, so there are also a lot of those ones, but I think <laughs> one of the ones that really stands out to me um, is we played for uh, the Girl Guides of Canada one year. Whoa, yeah. And that was like 5,000 little like colorful hats, like a sea of colorful hats <laughs> and like just like little girls going like, what? Like losing their minds over us, even though they had no clue who we were like literally an hour before. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then like signing so many autographs and stuff. 
So that was really cool. But yeah, I've, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of like really cool live experiences. So it's hard okay. to pick. I like, we played on um, Parliament Hill once too for like Canada's 150th birthday and stuff. Right, so right, like, right, right. I'm just, and I'm just like confused as to how we got led onto Parliament Hill kind of thing. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it just seems crazy that like, we were being given like these insane opportunities, and yeah, 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 yeah. So, and opening for Tegan and Sarah. There's so many. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. Can I ask you about that? The Tegan and Sarah stuff. Like, yeah. What was that? Was that just for a couple show? One, the one show. What, what, what was that like? It was just the one show, but it was um, for me like a real full circle moment because sure. Tegan and Sarah's album The Con was like one of the albums that made me realize that maybe I could sing because I was like they had like little 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 girl voices. They were like lee, 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 lee. you know they weren't like <laughs> they weren't Mariah carrying it. So for sure. me it was like oh I didn't even know that music like this existed. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and so it like really introduced me to like an alternative type of vibe. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe my voice. Is, a, is an okay voice, you know? Sure, and so sure, then sure. It, it, it opened up a huge door for me. So I always thought that that album was like super like influential for me. Yeah. And just in terms of just even starting a music career. So mm. when we opened for them, I just lost my mind because they, they came in the back area. They're like, hi, I'm, I'm taking I'm like, yeah, I know. And I, I was trying so hard to like be cool, but I was like, listen, your album, the call. You know, like I couldn't. <laughs> Did you tell them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. They Maybe. were like, we always appreciate it when people. Yeah, yeah, tell yeah. us that you know that's why they make music too they want to connect with people so that's great where was that show that was at the metropolis which is now the m telus in montreal yes, yes correct amazing um let's get into the second part um which for the fans they know the quote uh it's erica badu's quote uh music and music business are two different things mm-hmm. so you know just overall, just music music and music business are two different things. What do you think about that? What are your first instincts when you just hear that? Honestly, I feel so tired. I feel like <laughs> when I hear that, I'm just like, sure. But also, yeah. like maybe Erica Badu has the luxury of saying something like that. Because I Whoa, think after sure, yeah. like being in this industry for a long time... I've gone through so many different like facets of like, you know, having like Warner Canada behind us or being independent or blah, blah, blah. There's so many ebbs and flows. And unless you are Drake or someone very successful, like (laughs) literally top of the charts, um, it can be very, you kind of have to consider both things, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like after a while, especially like maybe your first album or the first few songs you ever write, you're, you're just doing it purely out of like... I have these feelings and I need to express them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I feel like after time, like t- after a while, when you've been in the industry for a bit, you kind of understand your brain is just rewired for business mind too. Where it's yeah. like, okay, I, immediately when I'm writing a song, I'm like, okay, how th- there's a marketing angle for this, or like this is the type of content that like would make sense for this, or blah blah. blah. Mm. Like it's kind of impossible because I'm I'm wearing all the hats. I don't have like necessarily Erica Badu's team to be like sure. Hey, you guys think about that. I'm just gonna worry about the music. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah, do everything. Yeah. I gotta do the PR and all yeah. that stuff too. So, do you think that it's ch- it's it's changing quite quickly? Like, do artists need to be more business minded in 2023? Like, I, I honestly I don't know when this quote was taken from. So this might have been you know in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, like this whole Quarian era. Um, do you think that in 2023 artists need to be more business minded, more business savvy? The whole thing. I think I think you kind of have to keep in mind that both things need to exist. They can exist separately, but they will intertwine eventually. Like you can make music that is like just out there and not following any of the rules or whatever, like not made for radio, blah blah blah, but even if you are doing that event like 
for anyone to hear it, you're going to have to like share it somewhere or, yeah. you know, like think of some sort of business tactic, whether it's live shows, whether it's social media content or any of that stuff. So mm. I don't think that people necessarily need to be because it's really depends on what you want and what makes you comfortable and what makes you happy. But I find that a lot of the more rigid like businesses, like if you want to be on Spotify editorial playlists and if you want blah, 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 if you want all these things, then you need to kind of be like, you know, people are like, you got to have press locked in. You got to yeah. have like all of these kind of more formal things that people are like, that doesn't matter. But it's like, but sometimes it kind of does actually, unfortunately. Yeah. Where does the business start for you? Like in your process, like if we're saying like, even like sharing it on social media once is sort of business business. Like where, where, where does, where does the business come into play for you? Even just in your songwriting process? I mean, yeah, it's complicated. I think, uh, like, I don't want it to come into the writing room, but then, you know, so you try to, like, leave leave that at the door, but yeah. I feel like as soon as I start picturing imagery for a song, whether that even be lyrics, I, I can kind of even picture, like, a what the video might look like or whatever. Yeah. And so it's kind of, like, maybe at the beginning, but but I do think, like, yeah, sometimes creative brain takes charge, and then it's like, okay, now that we have this product, okay, um, I actually think it could be really cool to like, we're, we're going to be like purchasing billboards and stuff and like stuff like that is really fun. Like I was looking at even the beaches billboards and like they, yeah. they just did like blame my ex.com, you know? And it's like, they're not even on there. So that's like a really fun kind of just like people might not even know what that is. And yes. they're going to look it up. And that was the same with, um, with my band too. Like my band, we had like a pink, we had spray painted a, our minivan, like bright pink and put like our, our logo on the side. And um, people would find us all the time like that. So I think, like, I don't know, you got to make having fun and being creative with the business. But and business, unfortunately, if you are an independent artist, does kind of matter. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, where, again, with the business thing, like, where are you at in the music business yourself? Like, where do you find yourself? Are you having a complicated time with it? Do you like it? And where do you think, like, the music business is going Big Q, big Q's only today. Mm, um, <laughs> what do I think? Um, I feel like sometimes I'm like, it's f cool and I can do it and whatever. And like, but then other times I'm just really don't feel like it. And I get a little bit exhausted by it. Cause I'm like, I just want to like make this album and not have to worry about like applying for grants and blah, blah, blah and yeah. all this stuff, you know, and like having to put all of that energy into it. But at the same time, it can be really creative and really rewarding so I don't, I don't, I don't hate it all the time, but there are definitely tasks that I'm like, it, it can get very overwhelming when you're an independent artist to be like having to think about all of those little steps along the way. Yeah. Where do I think it's going? It's hard to, s it changes like every day. I feel yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's like the era of like the TikTok artists where people were like blowing up and stuff and they're like, that's the only way. But then like all of those artists are like getting dropped now after they have like their one hit. And so it's like, that's not necessarily the way like I know with my pro my other project with Motel it was like the way that we made all of our fans was really through live shows like yes, that was yeah. how we got a following and even our recordings for the first album kind of sounded like poo poo but you know like it, it was like <laughs> kind of sounded like it could have been recorded in a in a washroom or something like it wasn't super high quality but right. it um it resonated with people because when they came to see us live it was just a charming experience for them so yeah I, I think live will always be king true like any live experience beats almost any other experience in regards to connecting to your fans, like building yeah. a fan base. Although with my business partner, Nate, um, we always say that a real value for an artist is actually their hard ticket value. Like, it's just like, 
how many tickets can they sell in this city? Yeah, like, I mean that, and that is very business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very. Because I've seen so. some really great live shows that didn't have that many people there, but it's like, but yes, at the end of the day, when it comes to business, people are like, how many people can they like, get in the room? Because some TikTok yeah. even like stars can't even get necessarily like I'll go to a show, and it's like there's like thirty people. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like it's like okay, like. Okay, people like labels and and people are evaluating like okay, Instagram followers, Spotify followers, whatever followers, yeah, uh, whatever numbers. But at the end of the day, it really only matters how many tickets you sell. That, like who's that going to show up in person? Yeah, to evaluate your growth. Yeah, and uh, and in many ways, it's you have to do those live shows to even just grow the audience in that city. Yeah. Because okay, maybe your hometown you have you have a draw and whatever, but it really you're really tested as 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 an artist and the val the the val not the, maybe not the values not maybe not the right word but just like your reach as an artist when you go to other cities. Totally, but you have to play those other cities to grow. Yes, yes, I think playing the live shows definitely was a huge growing experience for me. But I do think also there are some artists that like don't like playing live shows, and yes. all of their value is just in like I'm putting out an album and I'm going to do this like little hide behind a curtain little video or whatever. Yes. Like they don't even necessarily have their face as forward in the project. It's not like about them necessarily. That's right, and that can also be really cool too. So yeah, I I, I totally understand. Um, I guess it really depends if you if you do want to do the live thing. Yeah. The live thing can be really rewarding and really fun, but you have to love it. Yes. You're putting yourself out there every yes. single day. And oh, yeah. Like, you can go from, like, um, when I was on tour, it was, like, going from, like, sold-out show in Vancouver to, like, 12 people in Revelstoke. You know, like, you got to yeah, get, yeah, you just yeah. got to be prepared for whatever yeah. comes next, and you have to take it, it, like, you have to, it has to roll off your back. You know, you yeah. can't be, like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. And even, like, 10, 10, maybe, maybe even less than 10 years ago, you, if you wanted a career in music, you had to go on the road at some point. Yes. But it's maybe not necessarily the truth now, you know? True. Yeah, um, our old managers, um, he was the lead singer of the Planet Smashers. I don't know if you know that band, but no. they have, like, a song called Super Orgy Porno Party, I think. It was a Whoa, big... Whoa, check it, it out, folks. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big <laughs> ska hit back in the day. Oh, my goodness. But listen, he was our manager for a while, and he, they, <laughs> they told us that, you know, you have to do the shit sandwich tour. That's what they called it. A hundred percent. You got to do it. Like Can you, we... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you know, no, it's good. You just, you, you know, you got to get, you got to get out there. You got to get on the road, and... Um, once you do that, you get like your badge of honor and yep. more people will like respect you or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. um, then the next one will be bigger. You yeah. Know? Can we get that, that band name and that, uh, <laughs> that, that song title again? Yes. The planet smashers, super porno orgy party. I think I might be missing it up. Super. <laughs> you probably not, party. which is funny. Um, amazing. Yeah. I just wanted to shout that out. Yeah. One shout more out. Time. Ska. Skanking. <laughs> we love to skank. <laughs> so many weird skull parties that I went to. Clip it, everybody. Um, let's move on to the origin story. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Montreal in the Plateau. Shout out. Shout out Plateau. Yeah. Um, but I was uh, between Toronto and, and Montreal a lot because my dad lived here and my mom lives there. Yes, so. that's right. How was your musical upbringing in regards to did your family did did you have cousins that like played music like what was your what was your like intro to music it's funny because i'm kind of the odd one out in a very creative family that my whole almost my entire family's in the entertainment industry but mostly yes. the film business yes um like and even my stepmom she's a radio personality like and my uncle he's was like had a bunch of ctv news shows and stuff but like 
I'm the only really, well, other than my cousin, I do have one cousin, but this was not, when I was growing up, I didn't, um, he wasn't really doing music. So for me, it was like, kind of like, uh, my parents were like, sure, yeah, whatever, try it out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have that, I do find that that's like, was a luxury for me because I was seeing all of these adults that had these very successful careers in entertainment. Yes, and so I never yeah. even thought like, what if I'm a scientist? You know, I just thought like, hey, I can do, I can, I can do anything I want, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. which also science is very cool. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I had a very creative family. And so I guess my music upbringing was mostly just that I like went to an art school. Like at my high yeah. school was an art school. So we didn't really value, um, they weren't really valuing like, like a world history and stuff. You know, sure. we were more like, who's the lead in the play, you know, very high school musical. That's great. What were, what were some of your like musical influences in the beginning? Like, what, what did you like, do you remember your first CD, you know, or like the first show? I mean, like one of my first ever concerts was, um, Britney Spears yeah. and Avril Lavigne. Okay. It definitely. I was one of those girls. I had, you know, Christina Aguilera. I had <laughs> all of those albums, um, yeah. like the pop hits mix, whatever albums oh, too. Man. Um, but, like, yeah, I'm definitely a product of the time. Like, I had, like, you know, the Hanson Brothers CDs. I had Eminem. I had, uh, you know, TLC. Yes. Destiny's Child. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All of those pop icons for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still have a lot of the CDs because my mom, like, keeps all of that stuff at home. So yeah, I can yeah, still, like, yeah, look yeah. back at them. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't know. I didn't really, I wasn't really consuming music in the same way I am now back then. So I think I was just kind of, like, I, like, really enjoyed anything that was really warm and bubbly like even like r.i.p but like aaron carter's like aaron's party cd like i remember listening to that in mexico on a boat and being like this slams <laughs> <laughs> amazing okay great what was like you you, you you've told me now that you went to a arts high school yes how was that scene there was it like because i you know coming from a french background I, I sort of know a lot of the high schools in montreal but they're all french yeah um how was the arts and culture scene in Montreal on the English side from a high school thing? Like, was it was it cool? Did you like it? Well, so I um, I went to French school for like four years when I was younger. Yeah. And uh, then I had one year where I refused to speak because I was so unhappy in French school where I literally would like make my mom like film my presentations at home to show to the teacher because I was like, mm mm. I'm not, until you switch me, I'm not talking. Whoa, okay. Stubborn child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I ended up switching. To, she switched me to an English school eventually, being like, okay, I want you to speak again. So, yeah, about, yeah. Wow. Um, and obviously I was just uncomfortable or whatever. Now I love that I can speak French, but at the time I was like, uh-uh. No. Um, so, yeah, going to, a, I, I, went to I went to FACE. It's, it stands for um, Fine Arts Core Education. Okay. And um, it's a school that you can go to essentially from pre-K to grade 11. In Quebec, we only have till grade 11. Yes. Sa shout out to Shout out to Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went there from grade three to grade 11, essentially. Wow, so okay. I had a very uh, solid group of, like, friends at that point that I had known for so long. And of course. At FACE, how it works is that there's, like, one um, class of, like, English kids. So, like, 30 English kids, let's say, for, like, grade 10. Yeah. But then there's three of those for French side. Yes, So there sure. would be, like, whatever, like, 90 or, like, yeah, French yeah, yeah. kids versus 30 English kids. For and one grade. For one grade. Right. And then we would have, like, some classes where we would come together. So, like, for choir, for example, we had a choir class. Yeah. It would be all of us mixed together. And same for instrumental. We had, like, big band classes okay. and stuff. That would be everybody mixed together. So it was a cool, like, culture mix, I would say. You know, we didn't have any beef with the French kids or anything. It was like yeah, we, yeah. Had, we had friends on both sides. And, um, 
It was interesting for sure, yeah. Were those core ca- classes taught in English or in French? It was like a mix of both. I feel like m- probably leaning a little bit more French, but it depended on the teacher too. Like yeah, sure, sure, sure. Some teachers were, yeah, more Francophone, more Anglophone, but they, they tried to have one of each at least in the classes to be able to relay information, you know? Okay, so there were multiple teachers sometimes. Just for those ones, yeah, right, for the joint sure, groups. Sure, 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 sure. Um, going from high school to post-secondary. Did you do post-secondary education? Like, did you go to high, university, college? Yep, I went to Sejap, and I went to um, university. So okay, I great. went to Sejap at Dawson College. Uh-huh. Yes, okay. I studied SynVidCom. This is before I <laughs> even thought that I was going to really do music as a thing. So yeah, yeah. I was following in my family's footsteps, essentially. Yes, sure, sure, sure. I thought that I wanted to be an actor at the time, and I thought that I did get into the theater program at Dawson, but I chose the cinema program because I was like I don't want to be on stage I want to be in movies you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like if I go into the cinema program people will cast me in their movies yes, or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. Um, and I also really enjoyed um, like video editing at the time yeah. so I was like I, I loved anything that had to do with it yeah creating and shooting and editing and um, so yeah so I went into Synvidcom uh, that was like a two-year program. Yeah. My documentary won like second place at Media Night at our graduation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I didn't know that we had a celebrity in our midst. <laughs> yeah. It's about urban climbing, so <laughs> check it out. <laughs> wow. Very, uh, very for the time now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Were yeah. you like ahead of the curve? Like when, as this like climbing thing is going on. Yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe not. I'm not, a, I'm not uh, up to date on my climbing culture. Um, were you ahead of the curve? Like, did you, did you find that like all these climbing gyms that are open? up now listen i did not keep in the know no, with the climbing okay, i don't yeah, know okay. all i know is that we did that documentary and literally the the kid in the documentary while we were shooting is they wanted to climb the biosphere which is this like thing in montreal yes. and he f- literally fell while doing it and broke his ribs he swung into the side of the biosphere and he <laughs> broke his ribs and all of a sudden our documentary got really intense and we were like oh my god i think we're gonna win awards yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is like a pro and con yeah, it's like, like every doc has that excellent. like that like moment yeah, yeah where they yeah. like the the tone like goes really dark for a sec and then yeah. there's like this story of like did he like reclimb it kind of thing no it was well, oh, he had okay. to go to the hospital okay but okay. essentially the, the movie instead of it being like them climbing the biosphere and like doing it it became like it was two two guys who climbed it, and it was about kind of their relationship in the end, and how the other one had to really support him in that moment, and like be, he was in charge of essentially him getting down to safety while this kid was had broken ribs. So we, then we had to take him to the hospital and everything, and then we had all this hospital footage. And it was oh, just like <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you had hospital footage. Yeah, That's crazy. It was next level. Amazing. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Sidetrack. So second place for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. At I, least I have a future in filmmaking. For yes, sure. yes. I just chose not to pursue it. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then post-secondary, <laughs> did you go to Concordia? I did. Wow. Whoa. Do I give Concordia vibes? Well, yes. it's just English Montreal <laughs> sort of film studies. Yeah, yeah. It's Very a, much it's so. The cool kids go to Concordia, you know, the smart yes, kids go to McGill. Sure. That's, sure, what sure, <laughs> That's what they say in Montreal. Sure, sure. sure. Um, yes, I took a gap year, which is actually when I ended up starting my whole music kind of journey started. Yes, yeah. But um, at, after the gap year, I went to Concordia and I studied communications. Aha, the com in the uh, vid 
Yes, the calm and the synvid calm. Synvid calm. Okay, <laughs> and uh, in in the communications at Concordia, you like kind of do um, a bunch of different streams. Yeah. Like you can do like the first year, you'll do like sound for one semester, and then you'll do video, intermedia, film. Like so, I learned how to film on like an actual film camera and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, in my final, in your second year, you pick your like stream. So I I had picked sound because I was at that point kind of more involved in music, mm-hmm. and so I did a little bit of sound engineering with my communications degree essentially but i'm not a pro there you go there (laughs) you go what so you 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 say that uh during your gap year um more of the pro music stuff um started then like what 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 was that like as we're as we're sort of transitioning into um motel Raphael. Yeah, well, so I guess uh, prior to gap year, I had just, like, done all the stuff at my high school where I was kind of involved in music, and during that time, I, like, learned guitar and was playing piano, and I was... Mm first chair of the loser band at high school as well uh, for flute i was played the flute for seven years classical flute listen put that on my resume lizzo after your controversy <laughs> hire me um oh my <laughs> just joking but um ghost flute yeah You're ghost like in the back twerking flute in the back yeah. Yeah. um so i already had kind of these little musical outlets that i had been doing over the years um okay. But really, as a kid, I was just like wanted to learn enough to just do my own thing always. I'd be like, that's enough. I don't want to know the classics. I want to sing Avril Lavigne. You know, like yeah, I just yeah. wanted to like <laughs> learn a pop song. I didn't want to learn how to freaking do all my scales and stuff. I was music theory bored me to death. Sure. So I started kind of experimenting with like, you know, I was a kid's so like garage band and like recording my own instruments and kind of making like shitty three part harmonies and like writing my own music. Mm-hmm. And so I was posting a lot on SoundCloud at the time. Hey, shout out SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was very like, it was kind of more like private and I would only really share it on like my Facebook and I like, and have like my friends kind of be like, oh yeah, oh wow, this is nice or whatever. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the, the quality is. Your aunt. So, yeah, literally yeah. my aunt. <laughs> yeah. Or like some random guy from a high school, like a neighboring high school that I only know through like one friend who's like, <laughs> hey, I also play the guitar, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should jam in the park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, yes. That guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had a little SoundCloud account, but I wasn't really doing much with music. I was a very like kind of like shy, didn't want to like go on a stage at all type mm. of, um, I guess, 18 year old or whatever at the time. And um, I got my first job ever at a bar called La Boite à Karaoke in Montreal. Whoa. Yep. A karaoke okay. bar. And um, it was my like first shift there and no one had showed up to train me essentially and I was trying to pour people beer but their system is like you have to input what you're pouring for it to pour that amount of beer so it was on four liter pitchers and I was trying to pour like cups of beer all day (laughs) and so I would be like it is not stopping. I don't know. I also don't know how to turn the TV on. I don't know anything. There's all these like old men being like (laughs) je veux ma bière you know (laughs) um so at, then eventually Emily, who's um, a member of Motel Raphael, or was a member of Motel Raphael, came into the bar that day, and she was picking up her 4% because she had just quit. So I was like, hey, okay. lady, what, how do I, what do I do, <laughs> you know? And she was like, hey, let me help you out. And uh, she, like, had her little ukulele in her hand, so she had put it on the bar, and then we started talking. I was like, oh, you do music and she's like yeah you do music i was like well not really but like maybe a little bit <laughs> but check out my facebook yeah check out, check out my facebook <laughs> yeah exactly um and but it just so turns out that they had actually so um they were looking for a third girl for their project at that time okay Moto, Moto Rafael. yeah yeah um so 
I just essentially filled in this gap where she was like, oh, well, let me check out your SoundCloud. Like, give me the link, you know, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's get information. And she went home and she listened to the music. And essentially two days later, I was in her apartment. She lived with uh, Clara at the time, who was my bandmate. Um, and we were just playing each other's songs. And from there, that is the beginning of the project. Amazing. So it was very like... Auth- like authentic meeting like Happen you got, y'all met hell yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah like literally did not would probably never have met her otherwise you know yeah, yeah, yeah. very like bizarre like hole in the wall shitty karaoke bar that like why am i even here but yeah amazing <laughs> and so be, because you sort of we're gonna get into the sort of like the transition from the band to the to the solo project but um what were some of the highlights of, of Motel Raphael? Or maybe not were, what are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been a longstanding project now. It's like 10 years or so. Um, there were there were and probably will be, <laughs> like, a, a, a lot. Um, we Everything happened so quickly with the band, which was, like, really unexpected. So mm-hmm. essentially when they asked me to join the band, I was replacing this other girl who had just moved to BC. So they were already a three-part girl group that was they were already playing shows and stuff and so they invited me essentially to replace her and um from there we were just like okay let's business business hat on I feel like you know we're like we need an album we need a music video we need blah blah blah, like all these things and um what we did is we submitted our first ever song ghosts into the CBC searchlight competition the first year that it ever existed okay and uh that song won first place in Montreal and then Amazing. number 14 in, uh, like, all of the whole competition or whatever. Yeah, yeah, But because of that, we were getting so much CBC play, like, out of no, like, we were, it was our one, we had one song. You yeah, know, we yeah, had yeah, one yeah. song, and we were like, okay, we are on the radio, kids. Yeah. That's yeah, all yeah, it yeah, takes. Yes, yes, you yes, know? yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's how our managers found us. So that through the competition, um, okay. Matt, who works at, or is, is Union Label Group, I guess, from Planet Smashers. Great name. Great name, yeah. Yeah, yeah great name. Yeah, great name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, so he, him and Mike, who are, were our management um, for a while, they, they heard us on, on the radio. Okay. And they ended up reaching out to us, and they kind of just began, like, this whole, like, they used to manage, like, Walk Off the Earth and Bedouin Sound Clash, and so we were just thrown immediately, we had one song, and we were thrown immediately into, like, all right, we're going to get Warner Canada on board. Like at this point yeah, we, yeah. we were starting our um, crowdfunding for our first album. And so by the time that everything was signed, we already had recorded our album like ourselves. And so we were just essentially delivering an album to the uh, a whole team all of a sudden. Right. And that got us like immediately having Warner Canada on board is like, we're on the homepage of iTunes. We're going to HMV and they're like rolling out a gigantic <laughs> poster of us in the window. Shout out HMV. Shout well, out HMV. Rip. Yeah. Rest in peace as well. <laughs> it's so sad actually. Yeah. But, um, I love HMV. But it was really cool because we would go, like we were babies, you know, we would go yeah, and, like yeah. our CD is just like in the store and like we have this gigantic poster outside and it was just like, and it was also, like I said, our first album ever. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like we were like, Mm, a concept album what should we write about right, we're just like right, right. we have 10 songs <laughs> let's yeah. record them you know yeah, yeah yeah what do you think is like a pro like for y'all would with the um would it have been different if like you got the team and then you started writing the record or then you started recording the record i'm just trying to make a comparison between okay you brought this record to a team which mm. happens a lot now you have your record and then and then you pitch it um, but there are also some artists that sign before they do even one record. Yeah, I mean, that 
I, I don't think that we probably maybe would have gotten that team without the record anyways because yeah. I think we already sort of had the wheels in motion. Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, at the time, we also just had so much, like, local, like, people were just, like, hyped about us because we, um, like, the indie, it was an Indiegogo campaign that we did for the album. Yes. And we were asking, I think, maybe for, like, $4,000 or something, you know, something so that now I'm like, I could never make an album for that yeah, much money, yeah. you know? But, um, and we, we, like, got it and surpassed it, like, I don't even, I don't even remember how, it was maybe like in like a few days or something. Oh my goodness. Which for us was like just insane. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We were like, oh, okay, I guess we're yeah, making yeah. an album. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we already had this kind of like buzz and hype around us and then yeah, yeah, yeah. we had the team are like ready to go. So it was just a, f a few things really falling into place at the right time. Mm -hmm. I think like we probably still would have been able to have just the one song and have the team and then record the album, but they might have had opinions on things, you know, and I'm kind of happy that we were just able to be like, hey, these are some of these songs are maybe not great. But like they were like they were honest to us at the time, you know, right. and so we were able to just essentially kind of in that sense, have the control over what was on the record mm -hmm. and not have like industry executives being like, write a song that is three minutes and 34 seconds or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of charm to that record now when I listen back because of that. And it was we were way more country folk back then. So it was like, oh, OK, yeah. Great. It was interesting. Yeah. I just want to just reverse a little bit here. Um, about a minute ago, you mentioned Indiegogo. I've never, I haven't talked about this on, on the pod. Um, what were some of the prizes that y'all like gave out to the people that like donated? Do you oh remember? Oh my God. <laughs> little fun thing. Okay. I all, what I do remember is that our <laughs> Indiegogo campaign was like very motel themed because of our, right. Out because of our band. And, uh, the picture is like us in these like made costumes. I'm like smoking a fake cigarette or something like cleaning something. So all of our, like, we had like a really insane Indiegogo video that was like for yes. $50. Like we got a professional voice over actor to like oh <laughs> record over it. Yeah. And it's like this really like movie phone kind of like voice that's like, $50 and we'll do this kind of thing. Sure. I remember one of them was like a home concert type of right. thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a classic. The other ones, I think I would have to like, I, I, the video's still on YouTube, <laughs> so I, I can definitely look it up and let you know, but I, yeah. uh, my memory is, but yeah, it was, it, it was funny and we had to, we did have to follow through on all of those things too, right? Which was like, of course, yeah. made for some fun experiences as well. Oh man. My band, my, I guess still sort of active band, uh, is uh, we did a sort of Indiegogo campaign and we had a whole bunch of stuff. Do you remember some of yours? Yeah, like there was, well, there was, of course, like the home, the concert or like the vinyl, you get bonus stuff. Uh, but then like, um, I think like one was like, like uh, get your car checked by one of the band members because he was like a car guy. And then there was, uh, Andre did a piano lesson. Like you can get a piano lesson if you donated whatever, whatever amount. And then I th I'm pretty sure I did like something like, let's uh, like record something mm. at the studio or whatever whatever it was I don't remember exactly what it was um, but anyway I just want to talk about Indiegogo so I think That's I know really it's always funny. like a fun thing after this I'll show you the video or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's very funny <laughs> I'll put it in the description below <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, amazing so okay so Motel Raphael what's the status now so we took like a, a little breather because we were like, like I said, like once it started, it was just like, go, 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 go. And this was also like, I had just started my first year of university at this point when everything was happening wow, and I was okay. having to take off like 
time for touring all of a sudden and all of these things like I uh, it just got really chaotic and that's also when I dropped my acting agent and stuff because I was like listen I'm my music is taken off yeah, yeah <laughs> or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. I just honestly didn't even have the energy to like do both things I was sure. like it's too much um so yeah we, we were so active for so long and we were doing so much and um I think we just got to a point where it was like we're all very tired this has been our lives for like six or seven years at this point yeah and um, we, like, we're going to, like, a studio in, in Toronto, and we were just kind of feeling like it wasn't really coming together the way that we wanted it to. And then the pandemic happened. And so it was like, okay, let's just chill for a bit. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, like, I feel like when you're in the music industry and you have people around you, and I will say sometimes maybe people with, like, a little bit of, like, the old-school toxic mentality oh, yeah. of how you're supposed to do things. Yep. You really feel like you have to be, like, momentum, momentum, momentum. And it's, like, yes, you do have to follow your momentum to a certain extent. But also, you're allowed to, like, bands disappear for, like, two years, and then they're, like, hey, yeah, here's yeah. an album, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah, and honestly, the fans will always stay. The fans will stay, but also, it's okay if some of them leave and new ones come. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah, that's exactly, the nature yeah. of the, the business now. It's so different, like... they used to like when we were doing like the Warner Canada and stuff uh, Warner Canada stuff it it really felt like we couldn't have like solo projects or anything like that it really felt like all of the energy into this thing to make it like right as successful as it could be and sure it it probably worked to a certain extent because all of us are telling all of our friends and family like gotta come to this show you gotta blah blah and there's a lot of people and so it helps but your creative energy sometimes just gets strained and you know like it's the same it's like a marriage it's the same people all the time and you know sometimes you need to just like a break and yep. so um yeah my, one of the uh, our members decided to move to a small town in, in quebec like outside of uh, montreal she wanted to you know like, like have her her husband and her her home sure, and stuff you know sure, so sure, sure. and she's she has she started a solo project but out there because she works in a, a studio called studio le nid there and so she does like a lot of songwriting and she kind of transitioned more into um to um french music so she's doing a lot yeah. of like french writing and then interesting she's also has her solo project uh georgette which she also is it's mostly french but then she does some english stuff as well okay so um so it's familiar for 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 where, where is she like what, what town is it i think it's like saint Estrie or something yeah yeah okay i yeah it ring it rings a bell even georgette is like just like rings the, the, a bell yeah. yeah 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 um she's doing a lot of stuff out there so that makes sense um and so she ended up like just kind of her life is there now yeah and so clara and i we released one song through the band kind of right when the pandemic happened and then we i think we both also realized like okay we also need to chill actually yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um so as motel Raphael. as motel Raphael. right right yes. right and I was also wanting to move to Toronto and there was mm. like kind of all these different things pulling us, you know, Clara has two kids now. So it was kind of like, okay, we all kind of are doing like real life things happen while you're in a band. You know, it's not just always like you're like the young and cute girlies forever. Like, sure, we're still, we're still cute, but we're grown, you know, now. <laughs> so it's like, it's like things happen and you, you know, we have certain timelines and you want, uh, you want other things in your life, not just music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so we took a little breather and we just kind of like quietly would like keep applying for like little grants here and there and be like, okay, well, if we get this, then maybe we can do that. And we started just kind of looking at the project from a different perspective of like now that we like we left our management we decided like you know it's not for us anymore this what the way that this is working yeah um we can really manage this project the way that we want to with like the amount of success that we've seen or just even the connections that we have we are able to do kind of what we want to do so we it's been really liberating in that sense um yeah. we ended up getting the jsr uh we had applied like 
two or three times with like almost the exact same application. We're like, listen, let's just try again. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, the third time we ended up getting it or whatever. And so yeah. we we're like, okay, hell yeah. We'll just make the album that we wrote a few years ago. Um, and it, the songs are written. So all we have to do is record them. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. like felt like something manageable. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. Okay. Yeah, we recorded the album. Yeah, yeah. So we have a third album coming out on November 16th. Whoa. Yeah. We this, have is an, o- this is obviously announced. It's this not announced, but uh, by, but but it will be by by then. I think by by the time this comes out, yes. yeah. We our first single comes out um, on Thursday, like the first single from the album. We're only because it's a six song album, so we're doing one single this month, another single next month, and then uh, a featured track with the album release. It comes out Thursday, like tomorrow. Oh, yep, tomorrow. Okay, so. But it won't it, be it, tomorrow when we see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, please check it out. What's the single called? It's called Day Drinking. Okay. Day Drinking out uh, a few weeks ago. So <laughs> go, 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 go check that out by Motel Raphael. But now, so here through the pandemic, you also started your own project. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Even just the process going from Motel to your own thing. Just talking about the transition from being in a band... To the solo project because we haven't really we had a lot, we have had a lot of artists on but not necessarily some that have gone from the band thing to the solo thing. Yeah. So what are your thoughts just generally on going from motel to your your own project? Um, it was definitely like I don't know. It's like it 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 just kind of happened naturally. I feel. Yeah. Like. A, like I said, we were kind of all at a crossroads where it felt like everybody was kind of like, you know, needing different life moments to happen for them. Mm-hmm. And for me, what really kickstarted it all was I was in a SoCan songwriting camp, um, like a SoCan Writing Day Monday or whatever the camp is. The yeah, hell, yeah. I don't know what they call it. Okay. Um, um, uh, but uh, I was in a camp, essentially, and it was in Toronto, but I still lived in Montreal at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be, I think, four of us. But then two of the four people ended up, like, one was, like, sick. And then one, their wife, something happened. And they had to go. Oh, my goodness. So two of the four people that were supposed to be in the session uh, didn't make it. And I know with, like, a a SoCan writing session, usually it's, like, okay, everybody splits. We don't know who really it's for. Or, like, we decide maybe that in the room. So when I was, like, prepping for it, I was, like, well... I don't know if it'll be the song will be for me, but it'll, but or like who who it will be for, yeah, what, yeah. who we're writing yeah, for, yeah, but yeah. Um, we'll probably make that decision when we get there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I got there sure. and it was just just me and a producer. Oh, and this okay. was like my first time that I had like kind of in a session like this where I was like, because my band was really banned, you know, like we would have rehearsals with instruments, we would write with our guitars, we would like the three girls would get together and we would like write or we would like bring a song that we had written at home. It wasn't really like sit down in a room with a producer and kind of see what happens. Right, it's very right, much right, like right. we write the song together, then we bring it to yes. the studio. Yeah. So this was kind of my first ever experience where it was like, okay, it's just me and a producer. I guess this is a song that I'm just writing. And um, what came out of me was Hostage. Yeah, yeah. So we wrote that we had from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to write the song. And it just like poured out of me. And the, actually the producer who uh, was there, his name is Hugh Mackey. And he, we had met on tour in like 2016 or something in Vancouver or, or in okay. Victoria. Um, and so already it was kind of like, hey, I know you, I know you. And then like we just sat down and kind of like made the song that, when we listened back to it at the end of the day, we showed like the SoCan office because they make you be like, what did you do? Right, right. And so we're like, here it is. And they're like, oh my God. And we're, they're like, that's an amazing song. And we're like, well, thank you. You know, and it was <laughs> kind of like the first time that I had to kind of like, I was also going through a lot at the time. Like clearly the song kind of represents a, a period in my life that I was, and I was like struggling with a, 
a breakup and kind of a, a bad, bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just let all of it pour into that. And um, after that, it kind of just became very obvious to me that I needed a different creative outlet for like hostage sounds so different than any of the stuff I've ever done with my band. And I yes, knew yeah. that I wanted to explore the Toronto pop scene and I wanted to, cause Montreal is very alternative. Yes. Like they're like very bandy, very band. And also they just like, there's not really a pop scene and they don't necessarily like, care about pop music there they're just like unless it's like a like they have a french pop scene but they mostly it's just bands and like cool guy music or whatever and like so like i feel like if you're trying to do pop they'd be like uh, okay like lame you know so um i always wanted to come here because i knew that my writing was a bit more pop and Mm -hmm. that like i felt like more at home in the writing and also writing sessions in english just don't happen there for for pop music and also when you're in a band you're not really inviting other writers in right so yeah it just, the culture there for music is super different to here. Um, so yeah, so Hostage Kick started, I get like the, the solo kind of venture. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to write music for this other project as well. Like I kind of got to a place in my career where I was like, why do I have to choose between like being full throttle in a band or having my own project? You know, yeah. it was like, I can do both. I yeah, don't yeah. need to like like my my brain is much more multifaceted than just like this or that, you know. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I there's a lot of stuff going on in here, yeah. you know. Like I literally recorded vocals for an EDM song the other day. That's my first time ever doing EDM. <laughs> like I I can do many things. There you go. You know, Amazing. and like and why not? Like I feel like that's when you're creative in one area, you're gonna be more creative in the other area too because you're just learning more stuff. You yeah, know? So. yeah. Since since that songwriting session, what have what have been what have been the same? What things have been the same, and what things have changed from? Like just being a solo artist, like what even just the process or having discussions, like are you often like just in your head more as a solo artist? Like I don't know what what's been like the main things that have stayed the same, but also one of the, some of the main things that have changed. Yeah. Okay. So like the writing process is super different in the sense that like all of a sudden I wasn't like okay on Thursday at two p.m. we're in a session at yes, the studio. Yeah. It was very much just like I would be like in a public place and have like a melody in my head and be like oh like voice memo literally or whatever and then like whenever <laughs> if i have yeah, like yeah. a session with a, with a producer i would go in and be like oh well, let me just listen through these i'm like oh this could be cool or whatever mm-hmm. um also like you're totally in charge of lyrics and and melody most of the time if you're just the only writer and with a producer you know yep. so you're really oh, like yeah. you're not i, I don't want to say compromising because compromising is maybe the wrong word but you're not it's just fully your vision whereas and and it's definitely that's just naturally going to be different than if somebody else is like, I think we should try this as well, you know? So it's just, it's really fun to have a project that's like, Hey, I made all of this or whatever, you know, like this is all, this is literally just a representation of my personality and then have a project that's like, Hey, we all three of us compliment compromise to like make this vision and be, it's cool because there's three different perspectives happening. Yeah. 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 Um, so like, that changed and so in one way I felt like really liberated in writing sessions but then on the other hand it's like when it comes to like playing live and stuff it's like oh my god when you have like a a band that's in a band that's like we're a band you know it's like yeah yeah yeah. we're not charging to play we don't have like everyone is just part of the band so we just go play a show and every show is like yeah yeah this is like (laughs) when I'm playing a show it's like okay I gotta hire drums I gotta hire guitar I gotta hire bass like it's just a different it's also part of the culture here too I think where it's like it's a lot more hired guns yeah uh in Montreal it is kind of more like okay maybe we you're part of the band now or like you join the band and we all split whatever we make you know Yeah, yeah, yeah um so here it's really like okay budgeting like okay 
for this show, what will I make and is it worth it? You know? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And feeling that, like, because I kind of tried to copy the what we had done with our band, which was saying yes to everything, because that was the summer where we played, like, 17 shows, and then at the end of that, we were getting, like, the Oceagas and the, the big festivals, you know, jazz festival and whatever. Sure. Um, so I was like, maybe if I do that here, like, yeah, just yeah. say, like, yes and meet everyone and, like, kind of get my foot in the door, then that can lead to the opportunities that we have here. And I'm not saying it didn't because I definitely met a lot of people, but yes, I definitely yeah. felt it way more on my wallet at the end because I was like, okay, one of those summers, like I was just showing up essentially. Yes, and yeah, the yeah, other yeah. Su- this summer, it's more like I'm in charge. Yeah, so yeah, 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 everyone yeah. is looking to me like I'm boss. You're the boss. Yeah. And it, I've never been boss before. <laughs> so it's a big job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, 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 yeah. So there, there's lots of pros and cons. It's like freeing in one way and then also restricting in the other. Yeah. Just capping up this section because we are sort of on a time constraint today. Um, what are some of the like the goals and, and and just the dreams for your solo like career now that maybe Motel Raphael is sort of maybe secondary to the solo mm. career? You know, what are what are the dreams now and goals for just your your solo project? I think I just want to like where I'm at in my career now. It's more about being like proud of what I'm creating than anything else because yeah. I think that. No matter what happens, like, you have to be able to stand behind what you're releasing. And I feel like the thing that makes me the proudest is, like, you know, if I'm really happy with how a song sounds or if I genuinely love the song, then I'm really excited to put it out. And I think because, like, the music industry is so, like, kind of chaotic right now, you don't really know what's going to work, what's not going to work. You can't really rely on anything other than, like, right now I'm making music with my friends. I've included some, some writers and some sessions that I love. And so we're making stuff that is just stuff that I feel very excited about. And so for me, that's kind of the goal in the sense that like, obviously it would be cool if, you know, with my band and my solo project, that's just like all I do eventually. Yeah. But um, for now, it's really just about like, yeah, being proud of what I'm putting out. It's a great like mindset. Yeah. No, like, no, like straight up, like number expectations or want to do this whole like tour or whatever, but being like just content with your output. I think that's a great, like, mindset to be in. Yeah, because then everything else is just a bonus, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um, Going into styling here. Yeah. Very different than what we've been talking about. Um, So over the past, like, since we've known each other, over the past maybe only a couple months, um, I've also noticed that you've sort of gone more, a little bit more into styling. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you first become interested in styling and like where does it come from um well okay first i mean going way way back it's like clearly you know (laughs) when you're running a project or like when you're doing music videos and stuff you know it's like there's so much of that included in the branding already like are we gonna be like girls who wear like rock and roll short skirts or are we gonna be like 70s you know like there's like all sorts of different things and also when you're managing again like at the time three girls in a project it's like trying to be like i'm not saying i was managing it but we together were like what is the image you know yeah yeah it's a band it's a band it's gotta look cohesive and it's gotta look and we all also have to be comfortable in our own skin so it's like a few things happening so already there's that and so many music videos and kind of like styling those things and coming together as a as a whole and then Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I essentially fell into it by accident. I um, <laughs> I um, was working on a, um, a CBC show called yeah. Coroner. I was a COVID coordinator and I got that job when I moved to Toronto through my dad. 
an Epo baby because he shout out, <laughs> shout out dad. Um, no, but essentially cause, cause he's in the film business. He has a lot of connections and, you know, I was like, you yeah. know what? The film industry is like really booming in Toronto mm-hmm. and, um, why not? And yeah, so yeah. he essentially put me in contact with someone who hired me as a COVID coordinator on set for corner. And what happened was I was on set every single day with this girl named Nicole Contador and she was the wardrobe person for uh, corner. Yeah. And like, Every time we would run into each other, we'd be like, that's a cute outfit kind of thing, you know? And yeah. she'd be like, that's so cute. Like, where'd you get that? Blah, blah, blah. And we just like kept like asking each other questions and like get, we just clearly got along and stuff. Yeah. And so by the time that the four and a half months were up, it's a long time to be on a set with people. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you get close and you make connections. And um, she essentially hired me to be her assistant for her next gig, which was style, lead stylist of The Social and eTalk on, at Bell Media. Yes. So, okay. so then I as, became a style assistant um, just essentially through making a friend. And I think it was probably like the most fun job I've ever had in my life because all day long you're just hanging out with first of all someone that you like so your friend it's just me and her and we're going into like Louis Vuitton and buying like seven thousand dollar capes like you know we're just like it's like we got the the Bell Media credit cards and we're going to buy like really like fancy and cute outfits for the four female hosts of the show yeah uh, for the social anyways for e-talk it was more like I was more independent on that side it was a different stylist but Mm. um for the social with Nicole, it was very much just like malls all day long. And yes, honestly, yeah. it's like, that's like, that was my dream. So I, yeah. like, it, I didn't realize how much I love being in a mall until I had that job. I was like, I feel chill and at home and I'm yeah, having yeah, fun, yeah. you know? Amazing. Amazing. And how are you balancing the music stuff and this thing? So, I mean, it honestly, it's not that bad so far. Like, cause I, after like I ended up my contract ended at Bell, and after that, I was like, you know, okay, I've worked a few, uh, like, um, contract gigs with Nicole, so she'll hire me to be her assistant for a few commercial gigs and stuff here and there, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't really until um, my roommate, Erica, she's a film director, and so she hired me to be the lead, lead wardrobe on her latest commercial, and that was the first time that I was, like, fully in charge of styling, and right. I... I only really felt comfortable and ready to do it because of all, uh, literally all of what Nicole taught me. So I like l- sent her a message being like, I think I would have been so overwhelmed if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. Um, but, <laughs> as, but you know, the commercial world, uh, not to make it a monetary thing, but they, they pay so well. So it's just yes, like, yeah, it's not, doesn't really feel like, first of all, it's really fun. You get fed, you get to be on set with a bunch of creative people and um, it, sure, it's a long day. Like a lot of them are like 10 to 12 hours, but mm. I, oh, I've only some ha- music stuff is that do, exactly like, that's what I just did on Monday. So, yeah, yeah. It, it to me it's just really it was it's it's something I've discovered that I like enjoy doing on set, and so because I've worked literally every job possible as someone who grew up with two parents who are in the film industry they'd be like you want to do craft service you know I'd be like sure (laughs) like you want to drive the cast around I'm like okay you want to build this fish set I'm like okay so (laughs) like of all of the jobs I I actually felt like you know it didn't feel stressful it just felt like okay this like kind of makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. and um the the only time that I've ever had to like uh turn anything down because again like it's kind of I'm still like baby when it comes to styling um was uh the show that we played together, actually, I got offered to do um, that styling gig for mm. the like, they're like, it's a big hockey name or whatever. He's like a hockey star. And uh, I was I was locked into the show that we had uh, that I had agreed to do already. And I was like, you know, that was the only time that I was like, damn, because like that would have been a good one for like my CV or whatever. But sure. um, 
but mostly they haven't really intersected. So okay, great. And how has like the creative process and your experience in the TV world, even just styling, has it like influenced how you view things on the music side of things? Like, or just your process? Are you like are you singing more about clothes? Like, <laughs> not like that, but like crop like, top, short skirt. <laughs> yeah, we're just listening to like three o. What's that band? Three o h three or whatever. Like that band was like short skirt, man, 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 make the yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tat yeah, and I were yeah. listening to that last night, so it's like in my head. That's um, great. So. I find that the thing, the two things are kind of different in the sense that with course, like yeah. styling for the most part, what my experience with it has been very much what do these personality like because for the social, for example, the, the women, it's like it's we have to we're representing them, you yeah. know, first and foremost, it's what they want to look like and they have to feel comfortable. And then we just have to elevate that and be like, actually, this thing, I know it looks a little weird, but when you put it on. Trust me, you know, like that kind of thing. So it's really about making sure that other people feel great in their own skin and that we're making them kind of like the best version of themselves that they can be. Yeah. Whereas like for music stuff, it's really like, I guess we're doing that sort of for ourselves in a sense. Mm. But we do a lot of more playing, I find, with like my band. Like we, we are not afraid to be like, today we are businesswomen with little scarves and big shoulder pads. You know, like it's not necessarily us. It's just a, right. us playing. You're so putting on a character almost. Exactly. Sure. So they're kind of sometimes two different parts of your brain, but there will be some crossover in the sense that like, obviously at the end of the day, you've got to be comfortable in what you're wearing and it, you have to feel like represented to a certain extent, like your branding or whatever. Yeah, yeah. How are you approaching the business side, both as a musician and a stylist from like the freelancer side? Um, are there some big differences there? Like, are you pitching yourselves like you would in music to be on set? Like, what are some of the... Mm. I don't know. Well, Just actually, like yeah, because, so, I mean, like, I also do some acting, right? And yeah. I got um, cast as uh, the stand-in, because, so I did a Toyota spot uh, for the voiceover, like, I got cast as the voice of the Toyota spot, and it was unfortunately the same exact day as I got cast in a, a an on-camera, like, commercial for uh, Lipton's iced tea, so I couldn't do the actual, I couldn't do the on-camera spot, but they hired me as a, as the stand-in, just because they were like, we, we wanted you, but you're not free, so yeah, how yeah, about yeah. we just give you this, we know you can't be there, but we, just to say, like, hey, you were great, which was oh, so nice. Great. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got paid essentially to not even do anything. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but I, for that, because of that, I went to the, the, the fitting and stuff. They wanted to do like a COVID test and sure. stuff. And so when I was there, the first thing I saw when I walked in was a room full of racks of clothes and like a little woman, like putting stuff on like the racks and like steaming stuff. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, that's the wardrobe girl. Yeah. And so when I went upstairs and did my COVID test, I came down afterwards and I was like, Hey, here's my card if ever you need an assistant, you know what I mean? So you do kind of have to put yourself out there in the sense it's like right now I only really have like two or three kind of connections when it comes to like styling stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so as soon as someone like, it's like anything, if someone likes your personality and you're e easy to be around and you do a good job, yeah, then they're going to ask you to come back, you know? And that's why Nicole and I work so well together because mm -hmm. we are like so similar and we just enjoy hanging out. So it's like so easy. Amazing. And so, yeah, it's a bit of networking and then it's also just a bit of like, being a nice person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, please remind me off mic. I have a bunch of styling people that I, I could connect you with. Okay, um, nice. Just even, even just in the music industry. Um, moving on now, again, we don't have that much time, but um, you mentioned it, uh, voiceover work. Yes. Um, and for those who were listening to the episode a couple weeks ago, Jake, um, we talked about voiceover work more on the, uh, like, sort of, 
TV show side of things, being a character on, on, on TV. But from what I understand, a lot of your work has been just like commercial VO. Mm-hmm. Um, what has that been like? What, like, how did you even get into that? Did they like listen to a song and be like, oh my God, that, this, this girl's voice is great. Let's have her on a, uh, on a commercial. Um, like, what, what was that? What was that process like? Well, okay, so it kind of, the seed was sort of planted in 2014 when my, um, so my stepmom is a a radio personality, and she's, uh, because of that, she has, like, obviously an amazing voice, and she um, has done quite a few, like, voiceover things over her career, like, she's, like, she was, like, the woman that was, like, next up on National Geographic kind of thing, you know, like, when, like, back (laughs) in the day, we were, like, watching TV and stuff, Um, um, so she already has kind of those connections in the voiceover world, and when, in 2014, she got a brief for a Swiss Vitamins commercial, and it was a singing commercial, and she's, like, well, I don't, I don't sing, right, but she was, like, but you know who does? My stepdaughter. Yeah, And yeah, so yeah. she, like, forwarded me the email, and then I, like, sent in a submission, and I ended up getting cast for the English and the French version. And so I ended up doing this, whatever, this little jingle for Swiss Vitamins. Okay. And uh, that was super fun, and it kind of planted the seed, like, hey, that, that like, I have an okay voice for that kind of a stuff. Like, the, a lot of people want, like, a little indie girl voice for a lot of these things. Um, and so I thought maybe, you know, maybe I have a career in jingles. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> turns out, not really. Jingles aren't a thing anymore. But... <laughs> But um, eventually when I started like thinking about moving to Toronto and stuff, I knew like, hey, yeah, I want to get to the, to the pop rooms. But I was like, I also, I have a background in acting. Like I've done so much, uh, so many classes and so much like work in that area where I, I when I started to go to in-person auditions, mm-hmm. I would be like, I would get so much anxiety about it. But then when I was like, hey, the voice stuff though doesn't give me that because I'm hidden. No one sees yeah, me. Yeah. I can yeah. have like a bun. I don't have to like get cute to do it. I can just wear a sweatsuit. Like right. I and really you're getting cast based off of like your talent and not necessarily anything else that's sure. happening. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I kind of had the idea. I was like, oh well, if I move to Toronto, you know, there's a lot of like maybe maybe Christine, my stepmom, um, can help me with this kind of a thing. So she helped me in the sense that, um, she helped me like get, get my demo produced. So we got like a little voiceover demo produced. And from there I had some friends that had been with different agencies. And so I asked them like, do you have any suggestions? And essentially, um, my friend at the time, he, he, he put me in touch with my now agent at play MGMT, reached out to her, sent her my demo. And, uh, it was during the pandemic. Her name is Daryl. I thought she was a man for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Daryl. Shout out Daryl. You've you've told her this? Yes. Okay. 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 I was literally, uh, when we spoke on the phone for the first time, I was like, Oh, oh. (laughs) she's like, yeah, I get it a lot. Okay. Um, Great. uh, So yeah. So it kind of went from there and it was like, like any other career slow going, like the first, I think it took me eight months to book anything of just like literally auditioning, like sometimes 12 times a week, you know, you're doing it at home. You have to have your setup and like, kind of just like go for it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then it just sort of started, started slowly but surely booking things. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. now I have like a nice little, a little demo of things that I've actually done, which yes. is great. Yes. Can, can we get into that really quick yeah. in regards to like, what have you done? What, can, what, can, you know, what can, sorry, what have people heard you on kind of thing? Um, yeah, I, I've done a lot of things. I've done like Canada post. I did, was the voice of Google for a commercial. I've done, I was a gorilla in an EOS ad, like the lip balm Uh. ad, but it was for razors. Um, I was the voice of Toyota. I did, um, McDonald's, which is a controversial one because there's a bunch of Reddit threads of people despising that commercial. It's an ASMR commercial. And there's like literally (laughs) threads of people being like, I can't explain it. Makes me want to murder. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like a bunch of angry, like, like 
internet bros just essentially being like yes yeah being like it's disgusting like i just rip my head because it's a spotify ad so people get it in their ears and it's me being like imagine fresh milk frothed and steamed (laughs) or whatever and they're just like they're like we are complaining to spotify being like remove this ad oh my goodness um i actually made a tiktok about it recently but um (laughs) yeah so there's that one um and yeah it the list goes on i've done oh my goodness that's awesome it sounds so fun it's so fun and even just going to record it it's like again it's like solo pressure it's me and a sound engineer and everybody else is on zoom i can't see them they can't see me right and it just it's like one of the most chill kind of like uh, fulfilling jobs i've ever had in the sense that i could feel like i can play to my skills but i don't feel any stress yeah it's awesome great for someone that's looking to get into it, like, what would you, what would you tell them? Like, any tips? Literally DM me on Instagram. So many people have asked me this question. I have a full-on email, like, drafted with wow. all of the steps that I took and, like, all of my, like, kind of, like, references of, like, I made, like, a, a little CV thing that, like, kind of shows, like, because I didn't have any experience in actual voiceover, but it was, like, right. hey, I've actually been in the entertainment industry for a long time, so maybe you think this is exciting, too. You know? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you want to work with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, kind of highlighting any stats that I had you know it's like sure i've never done this but i have five hundred thousand streams on spotify i don't know sure, you know maybe sure, that's sure. cool for you yeah just like associated things yeah exactly yeah, um awesome. so i already have a drafted i've sent it to like 12 people if anyone wants it please i might hit you dm up. me on instagram <laughs> amazing okay well we'll take a quick break there and we'll be right back and we're back everybody it's my malkin on the 36th episode of the cloud machine podcast we're back with the producers game the last segment of um the podcast, one of my favorite games, uh, one of the two games that we play. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, the, the, the Dream Fest game is about is to get a more, more insight on the guest and um, what they'd want to see live if they could see anybody live and where would that be and uh, a little bit more details here. So um, for you, Maya, yes, who would be the headliner of your Dream Festival? Okay. One, I- one evening. One evening. Yes, one evening. Okay, like, I struggle between, like, answering this question seriously in the sense (laughs) that I'm, like, literally my dream, because I've never seen her before, and it's a goal of mine would I, it's a kind of a traditional answer because a lot of people love her, but I've never seen Beyonce live, and I think she's so iconic, and uh, I just, to me, that's a dream, Um, but then I was also, like, the other side of me wants to go real chaos and be like, hey, listen, what if we just put up together, like, a super group of all of the girlies from, like, the early 2000s, like, Hillary Duff, Lindsay Lohan, and, like, Raven Simone or something. Like, wow. we had, like, this, like, insane, like, Disney, like, lineup of, like, girlies who had pop careers that, like, were kind of chaotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because that would also be a dream. Yeah. But, and then the other side of me is, like, literally just the Spice Girls. So those are my, I know that's three things, but I love the Spice Girls to death. So, you know, you can take your pick of those three. Okay, but uh, those are the headliners. (laughs) Those are all of my headliners. Okay, so let's say there's three headliners. (laughs) So we're going to do three headliners. What, What is, like, the second headliner? Okay, the second headliner <laughs> is like in alignment with my like oh, with my like goodness. my Disney Queens thing. It would be like Kim Petras maybe with like Paris Hilton and they can do like Stars Are Blind, you know? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Opener. I would like to open this yes. show because I would like to meet all of these iconic <laughs> women. <laughs> Amazing. Where would it be? In my home. Like in the house. Just me. Just me and all of them. Chill. So they have to hang out with me. Yes. And all of Beyonce's dancers 
are in my kitchen. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, when would it be? Like, what time of the year? Ideally, tonight. <laughs> right now. Okay, there are some guests a- that... ASAP. <laughs> there's some guests that have been like, oh, uh, fall 2025. It's like, they, they, they need the time to plan it, but you're like, tonight. A- We're doing it tonight. As soon as I can have all of these women in my home, I will host <laughs> them, and I will be the most gracious host. Amazing. And who's in attendance? How many people? Uh, just me. I don't. Uh, <laughs> just me. You can maybe come if you want. Okay, I don't want to. Sh- yes, no one else please. is invited. Amazing. And the budget. It's the budget. I mean, whatever it costs to hire all of those women. <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> they have to. They have to quote me. I guess. Yeah. Yes. If the they want to come for free, that's totally cool. Amazing. Yeah. But so this could happen. Just send your quotes and Beyonce. I know you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, email is on my Instagram. Yeah. So just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And how would you style Beyonce? Okay, I can't touch Beyonce. I'm so sorry. Like, listen, <laughs> I truly, if anyone else, and I'd be like, maybe, you know, a big bow or something. But I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel like it would be a wrong in this world for anyone to tell Beyonce what to wear. I'm yeah. like, Beyonce, you tell, you sh- she can dress me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know? Amazing, amazing. My partner, Marina, and I, who's been on the pod, check out that episode. Uh, Marina, iconic. Um, we... Honestly, like two to three times a week, she pulls up her Instagram and we check like what the new Beyonce outfits yeah. that have been on tour. It's She's like, oh my gosh. We've been like, oh my God, like what is she wearing like underneath the costume to like make it all work and happen and stuff. And um, it's just really amazing. And they have like new new costumes like every night. Yeah. I, new that, outfits every night. That would be crazy. My friend who's also, she's a costume designer. She did like yeah. some of the costumes for like the weekends tour and stuff. And yeah. that was, it's just like, that's just their next level. Those people, you know, I'm like, if they would even have me to just drive their costumes somewhere, like I, yeah. I'll take that job, you know? Like, and it's like stylish. It needs to be stylish. Of course. It needs to be iconic, but it also needs to be functional. Yes. And they need to be, it needs to be breathable and it needs to be all these different things, especially for like bigger shows, bigger tours, especially for Beyonce, who's moving. She's moving. Oh God, is she ever moving? I wish I could move like Beyonce moves. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Well, that's how we finish it. I'd like to thank you for um, coming by. Having a having a discussion. Thank you for having me on your discussion. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks everybody um, for listening. Um, You know, Please keep on interacting. Check out Maya's uh, Instagram, Motel Raphael. Please listen to the new song that's been out for a couple weeks now, I guess. Yes. Um, for us, it comes out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, keep on interacting with the thing where it's now a new social media handle. It's Eight's Community now. Uh, check out Eight's Creative for all of our professional tour building things. Um, but yeah, again, thanks for everybody for thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Stay safe, everybody.